0: Welcome back to the Eat Scripture podcast. This is Gina.
1: And this is Eric.
0: We're the Robinsons and we are, this podcast is really doing some textual Bible studies. Mm -hmm. And um, so we have been going through the books of 1st and 2nd Kings. Yes. We're now in 2nd Kings 4 Mm -hmm. and talking about Elisha and some of his adventures. Oh, yeah. And uh, what God is doing through him. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in just a second as we get back to that. Uh, we missed last week's podcast because we have changed out some of our equipment and we are not that great at technology.
1: Correct. Not that okay. great is one way to put it. And we, we
0: just had some issues getting back on last week. And so um, I apologize that we missed a week, but we hope to be good from here. Yes. And go forward. We're excited about this part that we're in, mm-hmm. and we don't want to lose momentum, and I feel really sad if we lost anybody yeah. last week um, because of our own flub ups, but anyway. <laughs> it's no big uh, deal,
1: I think, but um, I think people will be, hopefully, just as excited as we are to keep going in this, um, because there is so much excitement right now as we're watching what's, ha- what's transpired in the book of Kings, and... It is, like we've said several times already, one big book, the book of Kings. So if you're you know, not totally familiar with your Bible, or maybe even you are, but a lot of people still don't realize who've read the Bible for a long time, that the books of first and second Kings were actually just one book to begin with, one book of Kings. And so that's what we're seeing as we look at it. We're trying to look at it from that one book perspective. And so what we're really seeing in the Elijah and Elisha saga is the center of the book. And so the center of the book is so important to the original writer. So as we're reading Elijah and Elisha, we're really getting some insight about what that original author compiler felt was the most important thing to emphasize. Um, And so as we're watching this transpire now on the Elisha side of it, we're getting, we're kind of on the, if you want to say it kind of on the back half of the middle. Uh, and so, Eli- if Elijah was the first part of that, then Elisha is the second. And we've spoken a little bit typologically about how Elisha probably represents a spirit empowered church in the future. If, if, uh, like Jesus said, all these scriptures so are really about him, say
0: that, and we start looking at it, yeah. But I had not really understood that before. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to go back a podcast or two and listen to yeah. what we've talked about. To be honest, I can't even remember what all we've talked about, <laughs> but I think we have yeah. done that already, so I don't want to go over it again right. over and over. We will mention it, but yeah. um, these stories about Elisha here, yes, although in some ways so similar to the stories of Elijah mm-hmm. in right. mirroring them mm-hmm. are also so different.
1: Right. And so different. They've got a lot of similarities, and yet. Yeah, like you're saying, got some really strong places where they differ also, or just diverge, maybe better way to say it, because it's not like they're oppositional to each other, but very much uh, got a different feel, different way of... You just uh, see uh, that
0: Elisha's um, mission and goals are different Mm -hmm. in a way than Elijah's were. Elijah was very confrontational with the kings, with Ahab. Um, his yes. mind being right up in his face, yep. while Elisha is not really—that's not really the way he does things.
1: Right, he doesn't just go get right up in his face. Exactly right. what you're saying, like it's um, more
0: behind e- the scenes. Even in
1: like, yeah, exactly. So even in chapter three, where we saw Elisha come in contact with Jehoram, the king of Israel, mm-hmm. who is the son of Ahab, Jehoram mm-hmm. sought him out. Elisha yeah. didn't just go to him and get in his face, and so we see Elijah do that a couple of times with Ahab. Just go to him and get in his face, and Elisha seems to be more like I have things to do, and he's really just empowering his sons of the prophets so right. often to he's do things law. for him and and for the completion of God's goals or whatever it is. Yeah, um, so often that's the way it is with Elisha, whereas we did not see Elijah working with a group of Sons of the Prophets that way. He just didn't do that. that he seemed, way.
0: He seemed a lot of times to be more
1: alone. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. He was more on a solo mission, it seemed like, whereas here we have a corporate, almost a corporate mission taking place with Elisha as the motivating figure at the center, but still very much a corporate thing. He's informing. He is Speaking of God and bringing God into the circumstance through Him, but always through a greater group that is surrounding Him as the word continues to go out.
0: So as we get to this story that we're going to continue today, uh, in chapter four, Second Kings chapter four, mm-hmm. and we talked about this story with the Shunammite woman. Yes, we've already gone through the first part of it. She right. was a barren woman. Yeah, or For some reason, couldn't have children. Mm -hmm. A wealthy woman seemed to be a Gentile, as you said, because of her
1: response. Just to the response that she made uh, in in verse 13 to Elisha when he said, Should I speak to the king on your behalf? And she was like, I live among my own people. So as if to say, well, that king doesn't really have sway over me. So it doesn't really, that's not a thing that I could use anyway. Um, But then he finds out she's been childless. And so... In whatever way God decides to use Elisha to bring a child into her life, that's exactly what happens. And as you read that last part of uh, the last section that we were in, so especially verses I would say, especially verses 14 and following of chapter 4, 14 through 17, if you read those closely, you are going to see a very strong connection with what's happening in genesis chapter 18 whenever sarah gets told that she's gonna have a child it's she uh the, it's just the clear. the words the yeah
0: phrases the, the location
1: is, in a doorway yeah what i mean yeah. if you know that phrase from genesis 18 you're like wait even that they're even taking that yeah they got it all here she's being told she'll have a child at this time next year um uh, it's all it all goes together. So and what sh- is
0: that saying to us? I mean, I think we make uh, we think those connections are all important. Mm-hmm. And it's so often that we read our scripture and we don't
1: we read right over it.
0: Yeah, because sometimes it's so long since we read Genesis one
1: or you know, yeah. Genesis twelve or whatever. Gen- yep. Until and then later we later on read something else.
0: Second Kings. Yeah. And we're in a totally different context and we're not we're just mm-hmm. not putting them together. Yep. So when we do and we see something like this and it's so clear. Yes. Um I'm wondering what that tells us about what we're studying. Uh, for me, I think these whole these two stories that we've just read mm-hmm. uh, since the beginning of chapter 4. I think we can see and I I should back up even more probably, but Israel as a nation is Mm -hmm. dead. They're decaying. They're rotting from the inside.
1: From the inside, for sure. Yes, exactly. Because Ahab's line is still on the throne. And we know that it's already a condemned line. We have a lame duck, a lame duck king, as it were. We know this line is condemned. It's going down. It's over. Yep. So it's like dying on the vine, as it were. And uh, and yet Elisha and his ministry are flourishing even in the midst of that dying right uh, so rain
0: I think I flood. I'm not I'm probably stealing this from uh, something I read but it's like a a dying carcass
1: mm. Israel yeah. yeah
0: at this time and God is still going to bring life right into that through Elisha mm-hmm. and he is um, he's empowering a remnant mm-hmm. yeah. here. Um, so yeah. I guess this story to me Here's this woman Who couldn't have a child mm-hmm. Just like Abraham and Sarah mm-hmm. And it represents the death Of something that You know That actually began in Abraham and Sarah mm-hmm. But this story seems to be Screaming at us Hey remember It's not over I promise this would go on
1: Right It does seem to and do that
0: so that's what Elisha is here to bring
1: about. Yeah. Almost proof that the promise, which was made so long ago mm-hmm. to the great forefather, is not over. No matter promise. what you're seeing around you in Israel, and even the dying king, uh, dying king's line um, and so forth, condemned, as it were, that's not the end. This right. Abrahamic promise continues, even if, in this case, it seems to continue through a Gentile woman. Right. Um, as odd as that is. But uh, if, of course, if, this is if God just typology is anything, he is pointing to. God forward. of surprises. That's right. He is. Absolutely. So we, we are surprised, and yet think about it for a few minutes. We're like, oh, well, God's just, mm-hmm. this is just God's work. It's God's way. So okay. now that we're seeing that, We've we're watching her, and we too. know that she's, <laughs> I don't think it's too much set up. We know that she's ready to have, or has had a child now, um, yes. is what, Uh, what we're we're going to pick it up here with this
0: child that's been promised and been born and And seems to represent now all the hopes for the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Abraham's promise. Yes.
1: Abraham's promise renewed, right? Sounds good. This is going to be great. Second Kings chapter four, verse 18. We'll start reading there and we'll go through verse 31.
0: had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey, and she said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to her at once and meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi said to push her away, or he came to push her away. But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, Tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gahazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound of lo- sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him, "The child has not awakened."
1: Okay, uh, child is dead. Um, that's where we we start actually in verse 18. So we just talked
0: about how this is the hope. That, mm-hmm. I mean, this is the promise of God, and yes, how. Yeah awful Mm -hmm. that this new life that we've been hoping for
1: yeah that came in like you had brought up a very Abrahamic promise kind of way it's as if the Abrahamic promise is being extended and it's through the Shunammite woman even at a time when Israel itself uh, is under fallen under God's harsh judgment and So when we get to this point, we're surprised because we are very much expecting something greater to continue to come through this. But what we see instead is that the son who was promised in that Abrahamic way immediately dies. Now, if we think about it for a few minutes, all of a sudden, maybe we're not as surprised because we know that is how things went with Isaac. He didn't die, but boy, did it ever come close. It looked like there was going to be an end to the promise because the son through whom the promise came was about to be killed. And yet he wasn't. And so here, verse 18, the child grows goes out to his dad one day among the reapers. So this is happening at harvest time. Oh, it's harvest time that he's dying. So many things uh, that are interesting happen around harvest time in scripture. So for the harvest to be the time of his death is interesting. And he says to his father, oh my head, my head. Now, I don't know exactly where our connection is in the head, but the fact is he's something's hurting in his head, and he doesn't know what it is, and he's crying out to his dad. The father says, carry him to his mother. says, take him up, carry him to his mom. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, child sat on her lap till noon and died. Verse 20. Okay, so now the son is dead. Sat with his mother until he died. Um, And that's where this must be like, The end to the goodness of the promise that was going to come to this woman and her husband. Yep. I mean, there's just nothing, it doesn't feel good at all. Now, immediately she takes him and lays him on the same bed that the man of God comes by her house and lays on all the time. So we're told very specifically where she takes him and she lays him. It's on that bed. And then she shuts the door, leaves, goes and calls to her husband to get her one of the servants to come with her because she's going to go see the man of God. He, of course, is struck by this because he says in verse 23, why in the world are you going today? It's not a new moon or a Sabbath. It's not a worship day. Why would you go see a man of God today? It's not a worship day. He doesn't know that the child is dead yet. And And she she just just
0: says, all is well. Hey, it's all
1: okay. Just let me do this. I
0: don't really understand. Is it her belief that he will be okay?
1: I think, I think yeah more than anything kind of a kind of a faith against fact kind of thing in her head she's determined somehow that maybe good will come from this um and yet so when she says all is well whether it's to keep her husband calm or to reassure herself or some of both that there's that maybe it's still not over yet Maybe there's something to be gained by going to the man of God. Can he help in some way? Maybe if he can do a miracle, if his God can do a miracle like make her pregnant, then maybe his God can do a miracle like a craziness that would come it feels from like resurrection. She
0: only trust this information with Elisha
1: definitely it she's, seems like that she, she refuses to, to tell him. her husband while she why she's going or and then Gahazi's going to come to her and um ask her questions and she's going to be like no nope, all is well um she's going to say the same thing that she said to her husband all is well all is well um and then turn around like you said with Elisha though then she's going to finally spill it all and even sounds very emotional borderline upset about it with him
0: why did you even let me have a son if you were gonna if he was gonna I told you not her. to you know play with my emotions yes
1: yes and so Elisha's response is then to tell Gehazi so like we said he said Gehazi ahead of him first to talk to the woman she wouldn't say to him what it was she finally gets there she grabs onto his feet starts talking to him Gehazi tries to push her away but is refrained from that um, by Elisha Uh, And says something's really wrong with her But the Lord has hidden it from me Is what Elisha says She's going to have to tell me what it is God hadn't let me know And so she says her son is dead And of course Elisha wants to do something about it So he gives his staff to Gehazi Puts his staff in Gehazi's hand Says go ahead of me Uh, I
0: mean there's some urgency there Tie up your garment Yes He's telling him to run
1: Yes Yes absolutely run and don't talk to anybody as you go don't no stopping and talking this is just you getting there and doing this yep exactly and we've heard and we hear later on jesus be make similar statements to his own uh disciples whenever he's sending them on their commission that they're not to talk to anyone on the way that they just take a few things with them that they go and they make proclamation about the kingdom of god coming also, we have when Gehazi gets there and lays the staff on the child, mm-hmm. of course, it doesn't work like okay. we were hoping and like he was instructed to do. He does what he was instructed to do, but it doesn't work. And the reader's left to wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. What kind of indicator is this? Is it have to do with Gehazi? Does it have to do with the actual being dead? Uh, what, what's going on? What are we supposed to take from this? Well, we're going to see later on, again, in the disciples that they try and do t- do things sometimes that don't work out.
0: Right. I mean, I specifically, when I read this, I think about uh, Jesus being on the Mount of Transfiguration, mm-hmm. coming down, and there's the... Yep boy who can't be healed of
1: the demon. And That's right. Yeah. Yeah, a, a demon.
0: A, a demon, and...
1: Even though the disciples have, at this point, already been out right. casting out demons and healing people. And
0: they seem pretty mystified by why they aren't able to do this. Yes,
1: they do. Absolutely, and Jesus
0: they is almost um, kind of... Um, I'm going to to say... He seems
1: to chide them a bit yeah, chide them a little for bit. it
0: that they don't have enough faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does um, kind of seem that way. Seems we'd like have to look China at bit.
0: that one a little closer because I think there's a lot going on there. Yeah, but, there,
1: there is. Um, certainly. But I
0: think Gehazi in this story is representing, mm-hmm. uh, of course, he's one of the sons of the prophets. Mm-hmm, yes. He's kind of um, Elisha's disciple.
1: Yep, he is. and Very much so. So
0: he is representing, I think, the disciples. Mm-hmm.
1: Kind of going out hole. and trying
0: to, they're trying, mm-hmm. but they're kind of bumbling in their efforts a yeah. little bit and yeah. aren't quite able to get it without him there.
1: Right. Absolutely. And this could even be kind of uh, setting us up for kind of a foreshadow of what we're going to see when we see Gehazi next in chapter five. So we've yeah. got a couple of stories yeah. coming before that. But Gehazi is going to come up in chapter five. And we will probably can't help but remember this moment when, Eli- when Gehazi tried to do some something. This, yes. Yeah. So he's trying to do something he was instructed to do and yet not able to do it. And in this story, that isn't elaborated upon. Again, we're not going to have any elaboration upon why Gehazi right. wasn't able yeah. to do it. But we, we just see
0: that when see Elisha God, gets there, it, everything right. changes. So. Everything's about to change. So I, maybe we should go
1: on Yeah, the Let's yeah we should now. Yeah, I think that's good. that would be good. Um, maybe we'll just say also interesting now that um, seems like Elisha is dwelling at. Mount Carmel sometimes, apparently. Um, that's where she goes and finds him, back in verse 25. So the very fact that she finds him there is kind of interesting. He's kind of spending a lot of his time at Carmel. Carmel literally means garden. It's a mountain garden is what it is, which would be very much like an Eden-type right. place, high place with a garden at it. That's that's what Eden was. Um, and so here we have Elisha's ministry kind of basing out of places that have strong religious import, strong connection yes. to what it means to be spiritually connected to to Yahweh and what he's doing through his people. And
0: again, that connection with Elijah, because Elijah
1: Because Elijah has is been he's the, one the one that who, we know
0: from Mount Carmel. Yep know the amazing things that happened there
1: the place where he wiped out interesting that the evil that was being brought into israel elijah has found his place there yes i think very important too yeah absolutely still very connected to elijah so Um, Let's continue on here. Now that we see this, we know Gehazi hasn't been able to do anything about it. That's where we left off right there. So we'll go on to verse 32 through the end of this story, which is just 37. So six verses here.
0: When Elisha came into the house. He saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself upon him. The flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went
1: out. Wow. Okay, not totally unlike what happened with Elijah um, in chapter eight. 17 of first Kings. And so it actually sounds lots of similarities, lots of similarities, but also some significant differences. Mm -hmm. And so as we're reading over this, we are trying to piece together why the difference is what's actually happening here. What, uh, what is it that Elisha is doing that we should see as being very much in the likeness of his master? And then how might it also be enhanced? Because he has, we know, been given a double portion of Elijah's spirit, which is what he asked for at the beginning. Um, And we know he's got it. And so he's doing things similar to his master, but also with sort of an enhanced effect too, which we've already seen in the pouring of the oil in the house. We've already seen that. For sure, uh come about and in a couple of other ways too. So now we're watching, well, this does sound very similar to what happened to Elijah back in first kings 17 when the son died, and Elijah took him up into his upper room and stretched out on him. And that's exactly the kind of thing. And it's a very odd thing, so yeah, that
0: they're two the same.
1: Yeah, it is weird. Here it goes into particular emphasis in verse 34, putting his mouth to his mouth, his eyes to his eyes, his hands to his hands. And he stretched out upon him this flesh uh, um, and the flesh of the child becomes warm. That's what we're going to see. But first, he's just very much, you know, equating himself with the child, which is what we said when we were in that first story in Elijah. It's almost like in a very interesting kind of sense but it's a way of making himself one with the child which is what Elijah did whenever he took the child's body up to his bed and stretched out over him and you would even though it didn't go into this kind of detail still very much the same thing so now that we get here we're we're curious about how this is working, but the fact is in the first story, Elijah stretched out on him three times. Here we have Elisha only stretching out on him twice. He stretches out once, then he gets up, he walks around, then he comes back and he stretches himself out on him again. And so it's three, uh, twice here where it was three times before. Is that an allusion to the fact that he's a little, that he's got more spirit, double portion of Mm -hmm. spirit? Uh, kind of an allusion to what Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 15, that they would do even greater things than him. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't know it yet, but they're going to be doing it through his spirit that's in them. That's how they're going to be able to do it. So it's still the same spirit at work. It's just going to be at work in even greater ways, whatever that means. Uh, And so here is this spirit does it work in Elisha or work in even greater ways than it was in Elijah? Right. And if so, it seems like a typological connection to right. the disciples. Right. Um, it's also,
0: I mean, this note in, the, in my notes in the Bible even say, um, like putting his mouth to his mouth, it's like God is restoring his breath,
1: mm-hmm.
0: his uh, sight, his eyes to his eyes, yes. and his strength. With his hands to his hands, I hadn't thought about those connections, but I like that. That's also um, very Mm -hmm. helpful. But just the stretching himself upon him, uh, the spirit of God Mm -hmm. almost um, transferring. Great. That to him. Yeah,
1: I see that too. I like the hands to hands, eyes to eyes, mouth to mouth thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's really giving him his words, his eyes, his actions. And which goes of course perfectly with the typology that we're talking about if we think forward to the new testament church right. which was also a church that was flourishing under a condemned regime that god was already had under judgment for a full generation before he brought the hammer down in ad 70. we're in the same it's the uh, same thing
0: a similar dead carcass yes, yes they're, they're in the same dead carcass
1: and yet still life coming
0: being brought Uh, In the middle of that. Yes. I love that about this story of Elisha and how he's working through this Mm -hmm. time of it's sure doom coming. Yep. For these, the kingdom, the southern kingdom, Mm -hmm. or the northern kingdom, I'm sorry. Northern. The northern kingdom, but he is still there bringing life. And for this Shunammite woman, he has brought life twice. Mm -hmm. Um, He's brought her son. To life twice
1: in a right? yeah in a sense yeah, yeah. right just and caused that, him to be to be Kinsman conceived Kinsman and
0: redeemer then. he's he's come and he's made sure that she will have prodigy going forward mm-hmm. and there will be life mm-hmm. and then when we it looks like that's been snuffed out too then he brings the boy to life again
1: yeah yeah absolutely so do i have a even she has to be drawn into the fullness of the Abrahamic promise through a son that has died and come back to life. Right. Uh, just like we've seen before. So, think, so again, again, you know, becomes like very typological. Even greater works. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's all there.
1: We all have to be brought into the promise through the son that has died and come back to life, yes. whether we're from the first or the second round <laughs> of yeah. people, first woman or second woman. Um, and so we have that two-woman type going on here, too, which we can't even get into. But the stuff that's happening here is really, really wonderfully seen, better, best seen through the typology taking place in the church. I, I
0: don't know why he sneezed I times. And sneezing is not a big...
1: Actually, place. this is the only place the word is used in Scripture, this word that gets translated sneeze, which also gets translated sighed by at least one translation and gets translated, I think breathed just breathed I don't know what I can't remember but something like that by another translation so most people go with sneezed most translations go with sneeze because they you don't really know what to do some sort of heavy breath sound of some kind seems to be what's being indicated here now I think that if anything maybe we're just talking about the fact that if the sneeze was a way of expelling from the body that which is not needed. That
0: yeah, which is death. Yeah.
1: Then, then death, yeah. Then he's he's getting rid, getting completely rid of his, completely. that which has caused him yeah. to die. Um, it's being completely removed right. from him uh, these seven times by yeah. these seven I sneezes. think the seven
0: is really significant.
1: Yes, there. it's the seven that we should really because pay a lot of attention to.
0: It's yeah. the completeness of whatever has killed him is gone. Is gone. Yeah.
1: That's what I would say. You're right. 100% right. Uh, so that's where we, we're going to leave her right here, interestingly enough. But she is going to come up again, but we've got several chapters to go before we get to her again. But we're actually not done with the Shunammite woman. She will come back. But that she ends this part of the story ends here, very significant with the rising of a sun. All seems well now with the Shunammite woman. And she is very much incorporated into the Abrahamic promise, even through the death and resurrection of her own son. So she's experiencing the blessings of Yahweh because of this in the greatest possible
0: way. Well, when we see her again, we'll probably reference this story again.
1: No question, (laughs) because it gets referenced, uh, and and we won't be able to help
0: later when a story comes up. It helps you to understand the story that you read first
1: absolutely Because you have more information in this case it certainly will so yes we will return um terrific to go through this what a great story start with chapter uh, verse
0: 38 next Mm -hmm.
1: time yes these
0: last two stories in this chapter
1: yes which will continue to be church types um let's say and and i got to tell you you're going to read through if you read through both of these, and especially the second one, verse 42 and following, and you can't hear New Testament stuff, New Testament bells ringing in your head, you're just not even trying. You're not even I can trying. I hear that. Richness <laughs> so. of life
0: and death, too.
1: Yep. Then, uh, yep. There is. Interesting story. Okay. okay. Um, we'll look keep going. Hey, thank you guys for joining us. We love talking to you. So glad you were back. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a great few days. God bless.